all systems are go. I was gonna, if you, I was going to say, I was hoping for you to say the show is yours. I was going to say, Gabe, the show is always That's mine. That is true. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to yet another episode of Glass Half Sports. I am one half of your hosting duties, the forever consistent uh, Nicholas Huffman, as always, joined by... Uh, bad news there. Well, you're not, you are not half. You're the whole goddamn thing yeah, the whole goddamn show t- well gabe is here since mike decided that he was gonna let the snow keep him from making it into the show today it's almost like we live in minnesota he drives a pickup truck he's a man he is a man he drives a pickup truck we're just is, taking is it four wheel or is it like one wheel drive i don't know i have no idea i know i mean it, it just just you got better. Got to do better. He, he's got to do, do better excuses, at least. Uh, yeah, right. Like, I mean, he's got a child. For Christ's sake, does he not know that that is a built-in excuse? Oh, yeah. oh, he tried to use it. I wasn't having any of that. Bring her with. But then he went with the truck thing. Yeah, it is so hard to wrap my mind around. It's uh, it's definitely uh, not a good look. That is for sure. Uh, but Gabe will be filling in, uh, you know, for the pieces that Mike would usually be taking care of on the show, trying to keep us on track. Um, we have a big show for everybody today. Uh, we are going to be covering uh, the Minnesota Vikings uh, pre and review in Vikings view Wild Wolf Watch. We're going to go over some NFL news as well. We've got a little bit on Connor McGregor. Then to wrap the show, we will be uh, talking a little bit of MLB free agency right before we actually have our guest Larry Holly from Chicago uh, to check in on the Bears with us. Uh, so we are starting to to reach a little bit further into our network to gain sports knowledge for y'all. So he will be joining us at 1215 at the very end of the show today. If you are a sports fan with sports fan friends, make sure you hit that like button, uh, hit the notification bell, and as always, subscribe to our channel so you guys can see when we post new content daily. Um, That's going to be Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, uh, YouTube, and Twitch. You can also find us uh, on MCN6 here in the Twin Cities uh, local cable, Saturdays after 10 o'clock. And if you have a Roku stick and you are anywhere else in the country, you can find us on Roku as well. Gabe, did I miss anything? You got it all, Nick. Woo! All right. So we can start right away with uh, the Vikings view. Jumping right into it here, Minnesota Vikings obviously coming off a little bit of a disappointing loss uh, to the Detroit Lions from over the weekend. I know this was one of those games where people were like, all right, we had taken care of the Jets, 10-2, and two, um, you know, opportunity to lock up the division, and the team just comes out flat. Um, I know you and Mike have both uh, accused me of being a little bit too big of a player apologist or a team apologist to the Minnesota Vikings at this point in the season. Um, but I am not going to sit here and say that it was a good performance and I'm not going to sit here and ignore um, that there are definitely changes that need to be made, but this is going to be a really good growth opportunity for Kevin O'Connell and the remainder of the Minnesota Vikings organization in year one of, you know, pretty much new New roles, everything from GM down to a lot of the players on our roster. Um, this is the first time that a head coach has seen Kevin O'Connell twice. This is the first time that Kevin O'Connell has had to deal with any type of you know, what I would consider off the field, um, I guess, strain or adjustments with trying to figure out what is going on with the defense. He is having to deal with some of his key players being out. Darisaw missing multiple weeks. Dalvin Tomlinson missed multiple weeks. Um, Adam Thielen has been banged up. Zadarius Smith, not 100%. Harrison Smith out. Andrew 
Booth injury, Lewis Seen injury, um, Cam Dantzler misses multiple weeks. So it's not like we've been at full strength either. Um, we have performed well outside of being uh, not at full strength. And on the two losses that we had on the season previous to this, none of them became losing streaks where the team back-to-back um, – you know, I guess wallowed in self-pity or mediocrity and stacked another bad performance on top of one that they had had previously. So those are all signs that would, to me, dictate as we get healthier, we will have Darisaw back this week. Bradbury should be back this week. Harrison Smith should be back this week. Zadaria Smith will get a full workload. Dalvin Tomlinson has worked back in. Cam Dantzler is in his second week. Get a little bit healthier, maybe play a little bit better, um, and then making some adjustments on defense. I think you just don't hit the panic button, right? Teams 10-3. and three, You got another opportunity to lock up the NFC North and just start making the adjustments you need to make for the playoffs, right? Um, Hey, Nick. Yes. You ever get the feeling that you're just kind of saying a lot of words and not meaning as much as you normally do? What do you mean? I feel like you're kind of just, uh, I don't know. I don't know if your pride is wounded or like, like I'm being genuine here. Yeah. I don't know what you're getting at. Like, do you, how do you feel about this? Do you, do you I like? I really can't tell if he's disappointed. Is he optimistic? Is he like? I'm in a holding pattern. The one thing you said that yes. that resonated with me is that this is the first time a coach has seen uh, O'Connell twice. Yes. Is that now? I did not see this game. I will yep. say that. What did you feel as if we are that we were not surprising them? Was that the difference? Like, did they, it was their defensive scheme the difference or was our defense shitty like the score indicates? You know, our, our defense was terrible mm-hmm. and they they dictated, right? There have been games where the Vikings have dictated and they have, you know, that's what's kept them in close games or done other things like that. Um, but from a defensive coaching standpoint, I think we really lacked. Um, there wasn't a lot of, differentiators between what we did originally and what we did this time around. Um, I think even uh, you look at the Minnesota Vikings run game. Now we weren't great against Detroit the first time that we had played them, but we definitely weren't 15 carries for 23 yards from Dalvin cook either. So um, it's, it's one of those things where I ask everybody to remember, you are talking about a head coach, a GM and a coaching staff that is in the first year of a system. You're going to have a game every once in a while like this where you're seeing something for the second time and now he's got to learn, okay, people are going to adjust. I have to adjust as well. I can't, you know, maybe there's a little bit more I need to do in the game planning department. Maybe it's a little bit more that I need to do in self-scout. Maybe I need to look into deeper into, uh, you know, play call rhythm for the opposing team, whatever the case may be, right? But this is a first-time experience for a guy that last year didn't even call plays for the team that he was on in the Los Angeles Rams, right? Lions must have a good team then, huh? I don't think they're in a bad spot. I think that offense, you add a quarterback that isn't Jared Goff, and you up, you improve that defense next year, and they're the second best team in the NFC North. Well, hold on, but Jared Goff just got thirty-four points. Correct, but I don't think what, I, what I'm trying to say is yeah. Like, what I'm still like, like, I mean, truly, and I'm not even coming after all kind like there are. Yeah. Sometimes your team just comes out flat. Yeah. Right. And it's just a one week. Aber- you know, I think, I mean, are there one week aberrations on really good teams? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, I mean, to this you, level. I think any Mike, Mike likes, you know, to go back and forth on this, but the, the phrase any given Sunday is a cliche, but a cliche is a cliche because it's usually consistent with a trend, right? Yeah. Some, any given Sunday. You can get beat on any given Sunday. 
you're going on the road to face a division to face a division opponent that you narrowly beat early in the year down start like a ton of starters Darisaw, Bradbury, Harrison Smith, Cam Dantzler not playing the full game. Um, it, there's just there was a lot going into that that would lead me to believe by the time we had got the injury report uh, on Saturday night, Sunday morning, that yeah the Vikings were gonna have a tough time. But even with all of that happening, you know you play a game that you're not necessarily out of until under two minutes. Um, defense has got to play better, got to develop a better pass rush, and we got to run the ball better. Those are those are those are the things that need to change. Ooh, Mike. Got some comments. Oh, Mike. Uh, I, I'm so glad that it didn't snow in your keyboard, pal. Uh, already the second best team in the NFC North. Mike says poor coaching. Going for it on fourth on your side of the 50. Dalvin Cook passes on the three. KOC is to blame as well. I agree with you. I'm not saying that he's not. Right. Sometimes I and I'll be totally honest with you. If we're thinking playoffs, big picture, I'm really glad that we are at a place that it, as as a team where like we can take a loss like this. And it doesn't necessarily like plummet the season. It used to be in past with Vikings teams. When you get to the end of the season, you're playing division opponents. If you lose, you're losing and taking yourself out of the playoffs. Not the case here. Those are some purple glasses you got on there. I like that. Like, no, just, yeah. Hey, I'm glad we can lose. (laughs) Listen, listen, what happens is that's, but that pain retains, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a painful loss to take as a 10 and three team that are 10 and two team. The Lions had no business being in that game if our if if our guys play to the level that they are capable of, right? You got to learn from that. You got to grow. You're going to see a lot this week going into the Indianapolis Colts game. How does the team respond? How does KOC res- respond? How does the defensive play calling look? Things like that. So it, I'm I'm kind of in a holding pattern as of right now on how I feel about the team until I see what the product on the field is this week. Um, puts a lot of pressure on next week, right? hundred percent. Like, I mean, 100%. really, and even the test of the coach where you yep. go, how are you going to come back? And also does Michael Mensing know that he can call in? Uh, I'm sure he does, but, uh, we may not pick that one up. Snow on the line. Yeah. Snow on the line. Right. Yeah. Um, and thank you mother for uh, the birthday wishes. And happy birthday, Nick. Thank you very much. And I appreciate it. Looks like it. We got another one too from Elaine. Yep. That would be my grandmother. Well, thank grandma. you. We appreciate it. Um, and yeah, and that's, I'm going to take the time now to, uh, to open up the phone lines to grumpy Vikings fans. Um, as I get into talking about the Indianapolis Colts game here, can, uh, the number that go can ahead, you say Dave. your phone number again, because I, yeah, I was going to say, I have uh, Mike's number on there from last. You time. can call Mike if you'd like, he is at home doing absolutely, absolutely. nothing. But if you want to be live on the show, the number that you're going to have to reach is going to be six, one, two, seven, zero, four, two, eight, four, eight. We're taking calls on the Minnesota Vikings, uh, loss against the Detroit Lions from last week as we move into uh, the game against the Indianapolis Colts. So bling that hotline whenever you're ready. And that phone number one more time? Yeah, 612-704-2848. Got you. Thank you. Very nice. Um, Gabe, any any closing thoughts on, on the Detroit game? I know you said you didn't get a chance to watch it. Yeah, I, I mean. But looking like, at the honestly, result, what are your questions? Honestly, from not watching it, I wanted to know kind of the first question was my biggest one is that was it a failure on the mm-hmm. off like the scheming side of the ball do mm-hmm. you put this on the coaches or do you put this on the players it's 50-50 i think the play calling wasn't ideal um but i think we didn't necessarily come out with the same i don't want to say uh pop that we like played against with buffalo buffalo that was a hard hitting game new york new england hard hitting games 
Minnesota came to play. I feel like they felt like they were going to be able to take their foot off the gas pedal a little bit in this one. Factor in some of those injuries. It's going to be a long day at the office. So a little, so whenever someone says 50, 50, it's hard to, to accept that. Right? right. It's like when a guy comes to you and says, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, my girlfriend broke up. It was a mutual decision. We both the same time said, let's yeah, break up. Right. Oh my God. What are the odds? <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess. So what, what, I mean, really, if you had to put this on one, though, I'm going to hold you to this. Because to me, it sounds like coaching. It sounds like somehow they let down. Yeah. And then the scheming, you know, whatever. Like, uh, what was it at the half? We were down 14-7? Yeah. Um, that seems like something they'd come out of that half and take care of business. Yeah, and it wasn't like we weren't moving the ball, right? Uh, yeah. Justin Jefferson has over 250 receiving yards. Kirk Cousins goes 31 of 34 for like 350 or whatever it or, or 410 or whatever the number was like both of them having good days. Uh, timely mistakes um, getting into position where you're, you know, you're on your own 50 and you go for it on fourth and you get a penalty or, you know, you're down on the goal line and you run this cutesy little pitch play to Dalvin to try to throw it, you know, do that little jump pass in the back of the end zone to Johnny Munt or doing those plays aren't great on offense. Now on defense, um, this consistent, just like almost like Mike Zimmer style defensive back play, line them up five yards off the receivers, let them pick you apart underneath. And then when you finally go to jumper out, because this is a turnover based defense, get beat over the top. Those things like there was no play call that we had that allowed us to grab momentum. And Kevin O'Connell has been a big advocate of that in weeks past, um, making sure that when the time is right, you can grab momentum of a game to move, you know, some things back into your favor. There was no statement play all game from the Vikings. Not a single one. Um, we have a guy called Johnny Munt. Yes. Uh, it feels like a bad personnel move. And Ooh, I, I've really? never seen the man play just, just based on the name. Really? Cause he's a, he's a better tight end currently than Irv Smith. Our first round draft pick that hasn't played in, I don't know what, two years now. A Munt. Oh, hey, Munt. I don't know. Okay. Well, I, like I said, I've never seen him play. So. Johnny Munt was in uh, LA with Kevin O'Connell. Okay. Last year. So, all right. Um, well, I'm worried about O'Connell's ability to motivate. And we're going to see, right? Mm-hmm. This, these are, this is one of those tests. You're going to go in and let's start talking about it. We're going to, st- uh, we got the Colts on Saturday. If the Colts are anything, they are a physical football team. Uh, they their defensive line is sturdy. Their linebacking core is good. They've got a decent secondary. So the the offense is Mike says, who can I call? Happy birthday, buddy. Thank you, Mike. You know my number. Call me if you want to be on the show. Uh, thank you, Auntie Michelle, for the birthday shout out as well. Um, you're going to go into a game on Saturday with the Colts where it's going to be physical. The offense is going to have to show up. Christian Derrissaw in his first game back. Garrett Bradbury gets back. What does that look like um, from a, from an off, you know, uh, an offensive perspective on their side, we are giving up like 5.2 yards per carry right now. And you're going to have to line up against a pretty decent offensive line in, uh, in the Colts and Jonathan Taylor. So you're going to have to come and slug. Um, I don't, I don't, think that the Vikings are going to have an issue with it because if you really do look at it, the Vikings in a four or five week stretch where they played top seven, top 10 defenses went four and one, right? So you are what your record says you are. Mike has said that on this show before. And if that's a team that's going to go four and one every time, you know, going to win four out of every five games when you line up against a top 10 defense, I'll take that. 
I'll take that. Um, but the Colts do present some really unique challenges. Um, I think bounce back game for the Vikings. I think you see them emphasize pass rush and the run game um, as, as kind of a statement moving into the game against Chicago and Green Bay to wrap the season because you're going to need those out, you know, that type of play outdoors leading into the playoffs and the Vikings sneak out of there with a 27, 17 victory. Um, and everybody gets to woosah a little bit on the panic and purple, so to speak. Can I, can I uh, jump in here just to say something? Yeah. Because, um, I don't think I heard you say this, but mm-hmm. this must be true. If we don't win this game next week, we fucking suck, right? No. What? No. So hold on, no, no. We're ten and three. Yes, we just lost to the Lions. Correct. Shouldn't have lost that one. Correct. If we go and lose now this one again, mm. you don't think that would be like very bad news? Like, like that it's not almost a must win emotionally for this team. If your goal is to win the Super Bowl, if you're happy with going to the playoffs, you're right. You, okay, yeah. yes. If your goal is going to the Super Bowl, yes, then I would panic. But here's what I will say about the Vikings: there's four the NFC. This year is incredibly top-heavy. There's four teams that sit at the top. Dallas, Philly, um, San Francisco, even with their third-string quarterback, and Minnesota. Those are the four teams in the NFC that make sense, that could make a run at an NFC, being in the NFC championship game, right? But that's their ceiling right now, is the NFC championship game. So, hold on. What the fuck am I listening to? Why are you... Afraid to win now, too. I'm not afraid to win. What are you afraid of? <laughs> I'm not. You know what, Gabe? Is it this chair? I is there think like so. a hex bag in this chair or something? What the fuck is going on here? I'm not afraid to win. This I'm is just a Super Bowl team you're looking at. Yeah, it's a long odds. It's oh, it's it's but they're the uh, best. They're some of the best ceiling? odds. They're some of the better odds that the Vikings have had over the last three to five years. I will give you that. I just, I, unless, you know, you get something weird where Dallas picks off Philly and then we get our revenge game against Dallas or, you know, one of these other NFC teams sneaks in uh, and, and picks off a, 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 a dog, you know, a, a dog team and in the NFC, the Vikings are going to struggle to get past the NFC championship game. I think they get a playoff win. I really think they do no matter, you know, where they wind up, but. Getting to the Super Bowl is going to be a tall task for a team that has proven that it has the holes that it currently has. Now, let next three weeks of the season, we start to generate a pass rush. Our secondary gets healthy. We go back to forcing turnovers, and the offense develops a little bit of a run game. I will sing a different tune. But this is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately team, and lately it has been poorest against the run, and it has been porous running the football. And in the playoffs, those are the two things that win Super Bowls. Even when Brady didn't perform in the Super Bowls that he won, the defense played well. The running game was there to save him. We don't have the tools to win the Super Bowls, what you just told me. Right now. Not unless some things change attitude-wise in the building. For the meat eaters. Yeah, with your attitude. No. Okay, yeah. No, so, I agree with you. Okay. But 27-17 victory is what I'm predicting. Let me know what you guys think about the Minnesota Vikings down in the comment section below. We will leave the phone lines open on the Vikings topic for a few more minutes. Uh, if you want to dial in uh, to give your opinion, number 612-704-2848. That is the hotline bling for the Glass Half Sports Hotline. And we will talk to you live on the show. Get your opinion out there. Give you some airtime with the people. Um, but outside of that, we can uh, skip on over to uh, the Minnesota Wild for Wild Wolf Watch. Um, 
Absolutely. You gave great sound effects. Nice. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. A wolf and a lynx. I like it. I've never it. done it before. <laughs> oh, is that a lynx? I was being just something wild. There you now go. that you was a lynx, though, now that you say it. Yeah. I, well, I knew I knew that's where you, you pulled know, it from. You I'm a huge WNBA fan. Absolutely. I heard uh, Brittany Griner is coming to your next birthday party. Oh, man. If, if, if there's any, if there's a God in the sky. Absolutely. <laughs> um, hey, welcome back to the US of A, by the way. Um, that's about as far as I'll go into that. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about the Minnesota Wild, Gabe. Third straight win last night against the Detroit Red, Red the Detroit Red Wings. Mm-hmm. They are have won three out of their last five, seven out of their last ten, and are on a much improved pace. What are your initial thoughts on uh, the Wild possibly having righted the ship here as we approach the midway point of the season? I think that uh, regular listeners of the show will remember me saying that a couple weeks ago or whatever, that it was like that, that I, and I'm not saying I knew that was going to happen, but I did feel like we have the talent. My God, what a young, what a great core of yeah. talent we've got. So like, much youth, so yeah. much top end youth. And it just feel, it does feel like a team. You know, I hate to say this. I hate to just do what you just did, which is we're not going to win the cup this year, but. <laughs> But I believe we can make a real have a really exciting sprint, be one of the most exciting young teams, and then next year maybe win the cup. You know, now you're afraid of winning, Mike. What have you done to the people that work at this show? What have you done? It's contagious. Stop it. No, but I agree with you. The 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 wild are uh, are going to be an interesting watch the rest of the year. Um, I think one of the real cool things to see is the development that continues to happen with Kirill Kaprizov. We talked last week about the point streak, this point streak that he was on. I think it had reached 10 games or something ridiculous like that. And then uh, they lose back-to-back games that you can tell that they're putting the squeeze on Kirill. And then over the last three victories, he's had at least one assist in each of the last three games. So that has told me, they focused on him. He has recognized it. And now he is using the attention that he is getting to create other pieces of offense, right? Really cool to see out of a young guy, really unselfish play, really high IQ hockey. Um, so just like thumbs up all around for him. And then I know everybody's kind of been back and forth on Marc-Andre Fleury, the first ballot Hall of Fame goalie that we have who has had his rough starts or his rough stretches throughout the beginning of the season. But can we give some credit to the Gustafson kid? He's got a like 95.1 save percentage over his last three starts. He's been credited with a shutout in one of those. I think the guy's earned some more playing time. Do you? I'm sorry, I was doing the transition. You're good. Um, so yeah, yeah, for the uh, the goalie. Yeah, the backup that the we backup got goalie. from Boston in the offseason. Everybody was like, what a horrible trade. The guy won't stack up. He doesn't, you know, it doesn't work. I think goalie stuff to me truly is like is hot hand kind of stuff right like um but when you have a whole it is it's a mind fuck to me because when you have a hall of famer of his level of flurry yeah i think whatever's happening in the locker room to me as a coach you got to defer to that guy to some degree yes. you know and kind mm-hmm. of i have i don't know from what i've read and seen he seems like the kind of guy who'd be straight um like whatever so I don't know. I, I mean, honestly, it'd be ridiculous for me to act like I know, but I know I like hot hands in goaltending. Yeah, That's I do too. Sure. I think it's by committee, right? Yeah. And if he's struggling or whatever, and the kid is playing well, give the kid some more time. Now, if he takes Roll a with it, yeah, t- if he takes a lump in a game, yeah, that's what Mark Andre Fleury is there for, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I wish I knew more about um, recent hockey history better. Um, of yeah. course, there's a little gap there in the during my marriage, but um, <laughs> but. Uh, 
I I I wish I could think of a team. Has anyone won the Stanley Cup with a with a platoon? I'm sure. You think so? I'm sure. Like yeah. a real platoon, like a 50-50? Yeah. You know, I mean, I know the Wild had a really good one, like 2003. Yeah, uh, uh, Rollison and, and Fernandez. Yeah. And uh, but I, but other than that, I guess I can't think of a team that's won it with it. It seems like teams who win have some guy. They have the best guy that year. Well, it seems to me that it's always you have, you know, a top tier goalie and then you probably have one of the better backups in the league. That's what it does feel like when it comes time for playoff hockey or who's been really successful in the regular season. I'm trying to pull this up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is. It, it is. See, from my perspective, it's always a top three goal, like not right. top tier, but yeah. like a top top, like yeah. someone who stood on his head for the year. Yeah. So. Or, or just stood on his head during the course of the playoffs. Doesn't yeah. even no, necessarily have to be all year. Right. So yeah. if you're asking me, Hey, the hot hand, can we get yeah. to, can we get to the a playoff series where Mark Andre Fleury feels, you know, spry and not beat up and loose and, uh, and, and things like that and run and roll into the playoffs with him. Yeah, absolutely. The wild can. Absolutely. Um, so I know they've got upcoming games. Um, they've got three of them before we will see you guys again next Thursday should be able to roll out of those at two and one. I think being able to take down, um, both Ottawa and Chicago at home. And then it's a little bit of a toss up. So I did plan for a loss, um, against Anaheim on the 21st. That keeps him about once again, above that, uh, the 500 mark on the week. Um, it would make them winners of nine of 13 games Man. over that stretch. That's a good stretch of hockey right there. I'm so excited that they're like waking up. Yeah, me too. Cause I really want to go to games and get excited. About Absolutely. And like that really, and we had it to start with, you know, it's, it does make sense, man. It does. Young teams do that stuff. So yeah. it's, it's great. Right. The pendulum's going to swing. And yep. keep in mind, it's not like the Wild are, are a team that'll sit on their hands at the deadline either. They'll go make moves if they think they're in position to better that roster. And trade deadline talk really hasn't even started yet. What's that move? I, I don't know. I would have to look. What we should do is we should reach out to somebody in the local like Minnesota hockey market we should. Um, and, and or somebody that reports on the NHL and just get a feel for, you know, any talent that might Someone be who knows, set like, to front move. office. Really right. Well. Yeah. 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 Who might that, be set that to is, move. That'd be interesting. I mean, right now it feels like package up those goaltenders. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> and bring one back yeah, or elevate yeah. the kid. Have we have we heard? You know what we should do? We should uh, get in touch with Giles to see. Um, how things are going with the kid down in Iowa. I know that the wild feel like they've got the second coming of great goalies oh. in the farm system right now. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. In, in Iowa. Um, so he's, is there any chance we see him before the end of the year? If he's playing well, hmm. who knows? Right. You know, I'm looking at but yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So uh, let us know what you guys think on the Minnesota wild, how things are going to plant or pan out for them moving forward uh, as we approach. I think we're closing in on the midway point of the season here. Um, they are in third place, just five points back of first in the West, um, which isn't terrible. Still plenty of time to make that ground up if they need to. So uh, outside of that, we can talk about the uh, Minnesota timber puppies, I guess Mike would call it because they suck. <laughs> They suck. They're so bad right now. They have fallen down to 11th in the Western Conference standings and are the exact opposite of the Wild because they're 3-7 and over their last 10 games facing mediocre teams. 
Two losses to the Trailblazers, uh, a loss to the Clippers last night, badly, 99 to 88, only being able to eight or, uh, muster 88 points of offense uh, for a team that should be looking at Western Conference title implications is unacceptable. Um, you want to talk about a team in Minnesota sports to be upset at? Right now, it should go like the Minnesota Twins, the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, the Wild, and then the Vikings. Like, let's 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 get this right here. The the Wolves are abysmal right now. It's and I'm 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 at a loss. What do you do when, as of last year, you had the top young, one of the top young guys in the sport? And he's averaging what nineteen and a half, maybe twenty points per game right now, and it's uninvolved in the offense. While Cat is gone, when Cat leaves, it should open up the floor. Ant should be bringing the ball up and dictating on offense. But for some reason, we just don't, and I I don't get it. I I, I truly don't get it. Um, well, I've uh, got great news for you. What's up? Hang on, one second. Let me do this. The, the uh. Oh, here it comes. Get ready. What's up? Patrick Beverly has a desire to return to the... Oh, wait. He's the worst offensive player in the league. He is. Yes. But but here's what I will say. I would take him because we need the attitude adjustment. As you go. That's how I... That's from what I know. And that guy, I fell in love with him last year. Yeah. Every press conference. Yep. And that's what it, it's like. Could he be just sort of the heart of the team? Doesn't even matter, you know, in a way how he plays. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I, I believe in that, you know, like, I mean, I do believe that's a thing. So locker room guys matter. Locker yeah. room guys matter. Um, and right now we don't have one. We, I said this to Mike when we let go of him as part of the trade, I said, it's a bad move because now what you're going to get is Ant's role model is now cat and not Pat Bev. Which would you rather have? Mm-hmm. I would much rather have Anthony Edwards take tutelage, take tutelage mentally for the for this aspect of the game from Pat Bev than pay attention to anything that Carl Anthony Towns ever does because all that guy does is whine and bitch and pout and complain. It's not good. Hard to play with tears in your eyes, man. Hundred percent. Hard to play. Hundred percent. So I'm 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 worried about the wolves. I'm not pressing the panic button. But we have uh, removed the break in case of emergency glass. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and hover my hand over that button. If this continues, big changes need to be made. Big changes. It's not good. Not good at all. Yeah. And it really, like, we really could have had teams here that are fun to watch. Absolutely. Right? In this, and it's like, what a bummer that, you know. Minnesota has probably the best under 25 sports core in the country right now probably I anthony, mean, honestly, Ed, anthony yeah. edwards justin jefferson um Kirill kaprizov and yeah. then uh that's what i'm kind of getting stuck on the twins just because we have tons of good young players i mean you could take uh, take your pick jose miranda right yeah joe ryan yep i mean all really good I'm right just saying not a top guy in the level. sport but right, like right. you but to three out of the three out of four to have a a perennial Pro Bowl or All Pro caliber player at each sport under the age twenty five. It'd be fun to look at it and see if anyone's got that better. I'm sure there's a I'm sure New York market and L A market probably do, but but whatever. I mean, we got to be there. We're not a small market, okay? Remember, right. it's we about ownership wealth. It's yeah. about ownership wealth, not market size. You're damn right, it is.
How are you feeling, by the way? I feel good. Are you sure? I'm solid. Was that cathartic for you? It was absolutely cathartic. There are about 1,500 people on Facebook that it was cathartic for as well. Yeah. And about 120 people on Reddit. And guess what? If more people hear it, it'll be more cathartic for them because it's true. That shit is true. We yeah. are, our mentality is so fucked it's, in this it's, town. It's, this is crazy. fucking terrible. Mm-hmm. It's so bad. Um, all right, let's move on. Uh, we got some NFL news that I want to blow through real quick um, in our NFL roundup segment. Uh, we can start with major injuries to contenders. Uh, I said it last week and Mike scoffed at me. I was like, oh, there's a time of year where stars just seem to start getting hurt. It's different every year. He rolled his eyes. Well, on top of last week's injuries, you can add the names of Debo Samuel. Uh, T. Higgins, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, uh, all two are supposed to be playoff contending teams. Um, so, so interesting. The Debo injury, um, that's a tough blow because with how good Brock Purdy looked um, last week against Tom Brady in San Francisco with Debo healthy, I thought they were going to be able to continue to just scrape by and maybe even still steal a playoff win. Um, without Jimmy G or Trey Lance, but with Debo going down, um, uh, injury, uh, injury image gave not Brock Purdy. Thank you. Um, I probably sent them out of order. That's on me. Um, so that one's going to be tough for San Francisco. Um, cause he's going to have some rust and, and stuff that he's going to have to now try to knock off as he heads into the playoffs. Um, I'm never a big fan of that for star players. It never seems to go well. Um, performances of guys like, you know, uh, Terrell Owens or, you know, Ray Lewis with torn triceps are out there, but they are the exception to the rule, not the rule itself. Um, Kyler Murray, real interesting. Cause he's probably done for the year, uh, with his knee injury. It's going to play into Lamar Jackson's contract for sure. He just got his extension, and things have been abysmal in Arizona. So what does that look like? Um, I I would have no clue, but I'm if I'm Arizona, I'm taking the rest of the year to evaluate every other option other than Kyler Murray because he is unhappy in Arizona. Um, well, they don't let him play video games. They do, well, I think I think he plays video games, and that's why they're not a fan of him. <laughs> they wouldn't have redacted it from his contract if it wasn't a legitimate issue, right? Um, I just love that it he's a is. Yeah. fucking child, yeah, and a crybaby. His body language sucks so all the time. Who, who would want? Like, I mean, honestly, who would want him at this point? In a sense, right? He's his talent's crazy, but what are you? He's gonna have to go to a system to where he's not the guy. But he's surrounded by other guys that are the if that makes sense. Kind of like that exists in his head. You know what I mean? Like he's he is the guy in his head. So right. So it just like I, I wonder if he would if there was a tough veteran. You know, is there a big veteran force or like on his team now? All of them have I mean, he's got JJ Watt, but this was a point that was made on, and I know Mike dogs me all the time for the Rich Eisen show, but I do watch, you know, it's sports. It's a great show. I like it. It's a well, it's sports analysis, and what do we do here on the show? Analyze mm-hmm. sports, right? Yeah. Um, where he was talking about, take a look at from the time that Kyler showed up, the leadership that has left. Hmm. Chandler Jones, gone. Pat Peterson, gone. Career Cardinal guys, leaving the building. Yeah. They're trading to bring guys in. They're not signing them through free agency. They traded to get DeAndre Hopkins. They traded to get J.J. Watt. They traded to get Hollywood Brown. They traded to get James Conner, I believe. Nobody's signing there in free agency. That should 
speak volumes to how other players see the mentality of their franchise quarterback in Arizona. And maybe the nepotism of their head coach who hasn't adjusted that playbook since he had Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech. So um, that's going to be an interesting one as it unravels. Um, Denver, I'm sure when Russell went down, as much as they were concerned for his health, as everybody always should be, uh, is probably breathing a sigh of relief because they also need to begin to turn over every stone possible. Head coach, GM, potential move of quarterbacks. How do we reset the defense? Everything. Because that, yeah, I was going to say, that project is is one bad press conference away from having to blow it all up in one of the worst trades in NFL history. Um, (laughs) Russell Wilson apparently thinks life is a movie, and it is not. You have to show up and put the work in and grind and play football. He doesn't want to do that anymore. You're talking about lifestyles of the rich and famous. Russell Wilson is that. Imagine what that's like to write a check that big for someone and to see just that, like, oh, everything you said in the run-up, everything, that was all just bullshit to get this money. Yep. And now you're looking out for your health and, you know, like, ugh, boy, that would be tough. Ask RG3 how that went. Yeah. Probably not well. Um, Then you've got Tyler Boyd and T. T Higgins, too. That's an interesting... Uh, you know, set of injuries for the Bengals who have become really pass heavy. Joe Burrow plays good ball, but you can't play good ball like that when you don't have open receivers. And me and Mike have talked about it last three, four weeks of that season for them. Meat grinder, in division, good defenses, competitive quarterbacks. And they still don't have control of the division, I don't think, as Baltimore continues to try to keep pace. I think they're tied right now. I'm that would worry me. That would worry me. Inconsistency out of Joe Mixon in a bad offensive line. Now you take away two, uh, two of the three of Joe's top weapons. What happened to, to Jamar Chase this year? He's back. Okay, he's back. He was hurt while the other two were healthy, but now he's back and the other two are hurt. Right. See, just a bad year. Yeah, bad year for to be a Bengal fan, I guess. Um, but those are some of the injuries uh, to be aware of as every team uh, kind of you know addresses the playoff stretch here. Um, the next thing we can move into is what Gabe had, had up earlier. Brock looking hurdy. Did you watch this game, Gabe? Did so, you hear about this? I've got backs right this. Woo! Um, I So I did not watch it, but hold on. I got to think. I, I know about it very well. So um, I don't want to say this publicly. This is very hard for me to admit, but I, uh, I do sports card collecting. Stuff, yeah. And I'm was I decided I want to get laid again. So I'm just, I'm like, mm. I'm going to sell all this shit. I'm just done. I'm, I'm out. Right. And I'm laying out all this stuff. And I'm like taking pictures to sell it all. And I see my Brock, my Brock Purdy card there. And I'm like, it's a prestige paper card. They're usually not very valuable. And, but I remembered when I got it in the beginning of the year is worth five bucks. So I looked into him and they're like, Oh, he's like a, apparently like he's got legs, like a linebacker and he's, he's a sort of atypical uh, type, quarterback, type yeah. quarterback. Right. So I looked that up at that time because of this show. I remember, Oh yeah, he was starting. Like he has a start this week. I was like, mm-hmm. I should look, see how that's going. His card is selling for like $30. He waxed the fuck out of Tom Brady. Card, right. For a paper card is insane. So I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? And I look into that and see it. And it's like, not only did he win, but he did it in the way, like he looked like a seasoned fucking quarterback. Like there is something to be said about these guys that when backup quarterbacks get an opportunity and you're listening specifically for what the defense of his own team has to say. 
And the way the Niners came out and went, we got, we won't, we won't fucking miss a beat. Mm-hmm. I was like, really? And then he strapped it, man. He played one hell of a football game. Like I, I get it. The Buccaneers are not what they were from their Super Bowl run, but that defense is still very real. And he went through them like a hot knife through butter. Oh, even, I mean, there was a quote that I read from one of the, one of the defenders or whatever, where they put, you know, we got a quarterback. We got a quarterback. Like, he was, like, enthusiastic. We got, like, to me, that was almost like, I mean, I know he didn't mean it this way exactly, but through his tone and emotion, yeah. it was like, fuck those other guys. We got a quarterback. Like, it's it's super interesting to hear that, though, yeah. right? Because everybody is so complimentary of Jimmy, and everybody was so excited for Trey. Right. He was what does this do to San Francisco's quarterback room next year? Did, let's 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 paint let's the best let's paint a scenario. Brock Purdy goes out and wins one more of these the the games down the down the stretch, and then has a competitive playoff performance. What? Are you not open quarterback competition going into next year between Trey Lance, Jimmy G? If you can retain him, but he might lose. But at the very least, is it not an open competition between Trey Lance and Brock Purdy then? So give me the setup a little bit more so I understand. Because what is Garoppolo's uh, contract situation? Well, is it his, just the one year? Or yeah. like, is he done at the end of this? Yes, his contract is oh. is up at the end of this. Hey, by the way, uh, Larry Holly's having issues getting into the Zoom room. Okay, oh, okay. Just give me okay. a heads up. Um, but, you know, it's just one of those things where, like, so Jimmy probably leaves, but nobody was, not even Shanahan was impressed with Trey Lance. Nobody was. He was right. a good he was a good option. Not necessarily impressive. If Brock Purdy goes out and impresses and the team plays better behind him, it's got to be got to be an open competition going into next year, I would think. Cuz you're right, he may be atypical, but Brock Purdy looked good. Mobile, decisive, composed, good arm talent. His decision making was decent. They didn't dial the offense back at all, and he handled it. He handled every bit of it like a champ. Did you hear about his um, um, in the combines? Like you know, they they test. So I read about him. I went mm-hmm. deep on him. By the way, I need Larry's um, email so I, I can will, re- resend yeah. him. So if you can you can send me that while I'm yep. while I'm dropping some fucking knowledge bombs on the audience here. Um, I did a deep dive on this guy actually because I was just fascinated because paper cards never show this value in this era. Right. Right. And I just could not believe I'm like, how high can they be off this guy for one game? Yeah. Like how it was crazy. Right. And I, and I put mine up and I sold it in five minutes and I was like, oh shit, I should have put it up for 40, Yeah, you know, but, um, but whatever the case, it was just, so I dug into it and I found this great sports illustrated article and they talked about, um, you know, he wasn't lauded obviously coming out of college. He's Mr. Irrelevant. Pick number 199. Right. But he always had this groundswell of of uh, support, yeah. Like because he went and approached the combine in a way different than everyone else. I guess he yeah. joined this thing where they did this holistic thing rather than going. I'm going to go see a guy to get my bench press numbers up. I'm going to yeah. go see one thing. He did this all inclusive thing, but in the testing, his they actually test like impulse control. Yeah, you know, and it's and his brain all his brain shit was off the charts oh gabe thank you for this beautiful segue you want to talk about impulse control this kid right here is who baker mayfield thinks he is okay that is exactly what i see passionate leader like just composed but like has swagger decent arm talent 
mobile. Baker thinks he's Brock Purdy. And I say that because the next thing that we're going to be talking about right now is going to be Baker Mayfield and that performance that he put on for the Rams where he went out and pretty much played backyard football. And everybody was like, oh, look at the fourth quarter drive. Baker's back. Let's do it. Wrong. Wrong. We're going to do, and Mike, Mike will die on this hill. He is Baker's number one supporter, pretty much saying, hey, he deserves a starting role next year. So I decided, Gabe, we're going to do, um, once you have the chance to, to flip the graphics over here, a little bit of a, a would you rather with Baker Mayfield, right? I'm going to take a look at the quarterbacks in the league that I would rather have over Baker Mayfield currently, the ones that you may be able to make an argument for, and then the ones that are coming out of college, and we're going to see if we can find 32 players better than Baker Mayfield. All right. And I'm getting uh, Larry Holly re-invited right now. So then I'll be back with you. Perfect. So he just, just had the invite sent. Just let him know to look for it from NBC if you get a chance. But yeah. Will? Um, yeah. Thank you. Will so, okay. So the graphic we want here. Yeah. Baker Mayfield, please. Baker Mayfield. That's not the Ram. What? Yeah, Rams. It is the Rams one. Oh yeah, I forgot. He got yep. bounced from uh from uh from Cleveland. Whatever. Carolina. Yeah, or Carolina yeah. after Cleveland. Right. So here's here's my would you rather. Are you ready, Gabe? Mm-hmm. Quarterbacks that you would no doubt take over Baker Mayfield, just off the, the top of my head. Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Rogers, Kirk, Stafford, Dak, Jimmy G, Kyler, Lamar, Jared Goff, Tua, Herbert, and Jalen Hurts. There's 14 guys that you can rattle off right away that are no brainer. Better than Baker yes. Mayfield. That takes up 14 jobs in the NFL. Yep. It's almost half the league. How about the the young guys that you know you can't move because they're either getting ready to step in and take over a job so Baker won't be there, or like they're just they're 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 obviously in on the young guy, right? They're not going to make a move. Trevor Lawrence, jo- uh, Justin Fields, Malik Willis. Um, then you can also throw in Trey Lance, who's going to be coming back from injury. Um, and then there was one other one. That is escaping me. Well, that's five additional. So from 14 to 19, okay? Now you have to take a look at the quarterbacks that are coming out in this year's draft that are pretty much guaranteed to start next year. The only two that I can really think of are going to be C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. So now we're up to 21 teams, which leaves 11 spots that Baker could land in or, or could compete for a job. But my question is, are you taking Baker Mayfield over Geno Smith? Probably not. Are you taking Baker Mayfield over Davis Mills contractually? Probably not. So how about like, what's your incentive to take him over anyone at this point? That's my point. Yeah. 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 When we talked about being a leader and impulse control, Baker doesn't have it. When you let Baker do Baker, like if you're willing to steer all the way into that skid, like Sean McVay and the Rams did when they played that game last week. Every once in a while, Baker going to give you a good result. But nine times out of ten, he'll throw the pick in the fourth quarter. Nine times out of ten, he'll try to roll out of the pocket and make a big play and get sacked. Nine times out of ten, he's going to run from that cop or grab his crotch on the sideline or you know uh, celebrate or or lewd gesture to an opposing coach. He is not an NFL franchise. Quarterback Desmond Ritter is a great. Uh, there's another example. I would take him and probably Marcus Mariota at times over Baker. Take two more off the board. We're up to you know, it's it's crazy what, to me. What is he crazy? Done to add, so you know, I was backing Baker Mayfield in the Cleveland stuff, right? Yeah, go like you know, like I can see that. I can see the Carolina thing. To me, you have now revealed yourself. 
it's the die has been cast. But why why does he have so much credit? Like, you know, I'm not a number one overall pick. But what did he do that was so was he phenomenal in some way? Like no. I, he was the number one overall pick to a team that was a terrible franchise. And because he was so cheap as a rookie, they were able to put so much talent around him that he managed to win a playoff game against Ben Roethlisberger, who had no business being there because Lamar Jackson got so hurt or there was something happened where the the Steelers had backed their way into the playoffs and then the Browns ran the ball to victory. Baker wasn't a huge part of that win. The run game and the defense was a huge part of that win. And everybody went, Baker's the king, the same way the Vikings did with Kirk Cousins when they beat New Orleans, right? Okay, Kirk throws the the last-second touchdown pass to Kyle Rudolph, but Adam Thielen's the guy that catches the ball. Harrison Smith creates the turnover. Daniil Hunter gets the sack. Like, he's getting credit for something that wasn't really his masterpiece. Yeah. Well, what I mean, how about this? What if I could say... You get Matthew or this guy, what the fuck's his name? Baker, uh, Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. Yep. Or Tim Tebow comes back. Who do you want? Tim Tebow. Me Better too. for my locker room. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and I hate Tim Tebow with a passion. Me too. Yeah, that's just incredible. Yeah. But I mean, because to me, he's just shown who he is. We know what he is now. You're not going to win with him long term. No. You're not. You're going to get flashes of great shit because he's a great athlete, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't even need to watch the games, dude. I just understand people. He's Chase Daniels. Yeah. He'll be around as a backup for the next 10 years probably. See, but. yeah, kind of what I was getting at or what surprises me about him is that I, I feel like there's been so many first-round quarterbacks who they get two years to try, and, and then they they're were. just fucking gone. Yep. And he keeps reappearing kind of, and I'm like, is he, like, great with coaches when they interview him or something? Like, it's just, I don't know. it's interesting. Well, he's still inside his first five years. I'm making a call for Minshew before I look at Baker. Yeah, see? Love it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Harris, for helping me prove my point here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just 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 wild on the Baker front. Let me know how many other quarterbacks you guys would take over Baker Mayfield in the comment section below. Uh, do we have, Larry? Yes, we do. But let's let me, it's going to take go. me a minute to get him on screen because i got to get him formatted in now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. So, But he is he is here. Well, I'm excited. Ladies and gentlemen, as Gabe gets this set up, I'm going to go ahead yeah. and I got to jump back onto his Twitter here to make sure that I don't, you know, I guess jack this up for lack of a better term. Uh, joining us here is a uh, sports producer and reporter for WGN TV and WGN radio or uh, news in Chicago. Larry Holly, how you doing, buddy? Thanks for joining us today. Hey, I'm glad to be here, man. How are you doing? Good, brother. Good. I, uh, I see you've been uh, been busy. Brittany Griner dr- news drops. Obviously, I saw the Mike Leach stu- uh, stuff happens, which you've been a part of. And then I know you're covering the Bears as well. So mm-hmm. uh, also Cubs in free agency. Gabe's a big yeah. fan. Tell me what the highlight and what you know, what the sports world has been like uh, down in Chicago for you lately. Well, I think the one thing that for baseball is I think both teams have been relatively slow, especially with the White Sox. Obviously, you saw what happened in 2022 fell so much, so far short of expectations. Right. A lot of angst in the fan base because remember, the White Sox completely collapsed what they had in 2000, late 2016, then 17 to rebuild. You know, finally get this team put together, looking to spend money to get these big pieces in there while develop their yeah. other, develop their other players. 
you saw a slide last year significantly, not only with the guys who were developed by the system, but also the fact that they didn't acquire much more to try to fill in spots, especially in second base and, and right field. So there's angst there. Cub fans really want this team to start spending money, really want the Ricketts to open up the pocketbooks. I think it's fair to say that they really haven't done so, so far. You know, we had Jamison Tyone. He yep. is signed with the club. Uh, Cody Bellinger gets a chance one year to prove it. See if he can yep. find that 2019 MVP rhythm. And then just within the last couple of hours uh the Cubs signed the reliever Boxberger uh one-year deal again another addition to the bullpen he's been a closer before but he's been yeah. mainly a middle reliever here for Milwaukee so a little bit of angst there I think when it comes to baseball teams fans want more they want a chance for the White Sox obviously to capitalize on a window that now to some maybe appear to be closing and the Cubs to reopen that window that they closed on their own in 2021 as far as the Bears go I, I think it's a time a very unusual time because I think I don't think anybody's ever okay with losing, but I think fans understand what had to happen this year because of the issues that came up with the cap with Ryan Pace, yep. because of the ways he had to spend, frankly, because he missed on the Mitchell Trubisky yeah. draft pick in, in, you know, in 2017, where he had to keep throwing money at quarterbacks. Obviously, Foles didn't work out really at all. And Dalton was, well, Dalton. And then, of course, you know, you didn't have a first round pick this year because they rightfully had to go trade up for Justin Fields. So this is kind of a fix it year for Ryan Poles. So the record, three wins. Probably a hair less than I thought. I will, I have always said I picked six to seven on the high end before the season. Uh, the Bears have not been very good in the clutch. We've seen that against uh, these, you know, against the Lions, obviously against the Packers. Where I think, even though I think fans would love to see the Bears get an extra draft pick, I think that would have been a pretty celebrated win if they were able to beat Aaron Rodgers here in Chicago, yeah. which they frankly just haven't been able to do really uh, much since he took over the job in 2008. There, so there's patience. I think one thing in Chicago that you've definitely noticed is the optimism for Justin Fields has grown. There was a little bit of angst in the beginning of the season, which I was a little surprised about that people were already saying, oh, he's already done. He's already a bust. It just seemed very yeah. early to me. Uh, number one, because he's learning a new offensive coordinator. Number two, the Bears have a lot of prove-it guys on their roster. You have a lot of receivers. Equinemius St. Brown is, is one that comes to mind. A lot of offensive linemen who are just there, who are signed by the Bears, short-term deals. In order for the Bears to be really good, they needed like 85 or 90% of those guys to hit in career years. Yeah, It doesn't happen. So it was hard to really judge Fields, but I think two positive things have come out of it. Number one with Fields, I think what's really cool is the fact that he has shown the potential to make huge, major plays that have major impacts on the game doing yeah. so with his feet, obviously, which he's done with, you know, being able to show his really great running ability. Right. And it's been a positive and it's gotten people excited. He obviously broke the NFL uh, single game rushing record for a quarterback. He didn't quite get Collins that he had in the playoffs uh, against the Packers uh, back in 2013, but there's excitement. There's the bears offense is scoring near 30 points a game. That just doesn't happen here. That's a generational problem that the bears have had going back years and years and years. And I think the second thing that I think is really helped when Matt Nagy was here one of the criticisms that was there is that he would not make the necessary adjustments to make sure that the Bears offense could function no matter who was the quarterback right he, he wasn't able to make those changes well guess what Luke Getze does after the they lose to the commanders a terrible Thursday night game it was 12 to 7 the Bears probably should have won and Fields should have had that first fourth quarter comeback well guess what Getze does he changes the offense to utilizes Fields ability to run 
and they've been pretty good for the most part over here over the past two months. So I think it's really encouraging for Bears fans to see a coaching staff that notices problems, is able to adjust to problems based on their personnel, and they're able to get success out of that. Obviously, one thing that's failed the Bears is their defense, which has usually been good and the offense hasn't been good. That side of the ball obviously stripped down with Robert Quinn gone, with Roquan Smith gone. That, that's one of the – you could probably make an argument it's the biggest Bears – maybe even most shocking in-season trade that the franchise has ever had, again, in-season. Yeah. And they make those moves, and you've got a lot of unproven guys. You you have two guys in the secondary, and Brisker and Gordon, who are going to be, I, I really think, a big part of the future. Um, you have linebacker Jay, uh, Jack Sanborn, who is actually from Lake Zurich, yeah. not far from here. Uh, he's in there as well. So for the Bears, it's kind of weird. They're not winning, but there's optimism in parts here and there that allows there to be not as much angst as you would expect. Uh, as far as, and really, Maybe that's maybe the most positive thing you're, you're talking about Chicago sports. Yeah. The Bulls are off to a very inconsistent start right now, not able to find their stride without Lonzo Ball in the lineup. And Zach Levine has yeah. had some issues after the big max contract as he comes off another knee surgery, really beginning to get into his rhythm. And the Blackhawks, well, they're they're doing exactly what was expected to do. The uh, the Connor Bernard, and the, you know, they're doing yeah. exactly what people thought they would do. And they're right now they're really, really struggling. I, I think they were outscored 17. I might be a little off this. I think it was 16 to four in their last four games. Uh, they gave up the hat trick to Ovechkin. Uh, congratulations to him on getting to 800. That's where it is right now in Chicago yeah. sports. If, if you're looking at right now a team – you're thinking about success. It might be the Chicago sky because they've you know been really good the last yeah. couple of years. Although, although, you know what, even the, for those WNBA fans who might be watching still don't know about Candace Parker for sure. Coming back, Courtney Vandersloot's a free agent and, and Allie Quigley could also decide to retire or be a free agent. So even with the sky, the team that's been the most consistently successful, there's questions about their roster as well. So it's a weird time here in Chicago for, for professional sports, because Really, if you think about it, everybody except for the sky, um, even for those MLS fans, Chicago Fire FC yeah. is, is in the midst of yet another rebuild. Uh, the Chicago Red Stars and the NWSL have been really caught up in a lot of the controversy that's existed there uh, with two reports that have been released. So right now it's a very interesting time in Chicago pro sports because a lot of teams, are, you know, they're they're building. Yeah, absolutely. And I, oh, sorry. Can no, I jump ahead. in with a question? Because I'm done. Of so course. I'm a huge no, Cubs course. fan and, and all that. So. And I, um, I've gone through something that I think I, I don't, I don't know if this is common, but we won the World Series, which is something we climbed. You know, I'm sitting there. I came there. I, I rented a hotel just to be in the area. Couldn't get in the game, you know, but just to be there. So like, I'm a, a diehard. And awesome. this weird thing happened that we won, and then it's like this weird disengagement where I'm someone who followed every move, and it's like you achieved it. Well, now I'm getting back into it, and like really getting back and I was excited about Suzuki right and mm -hmm. the the rookie year I think was well in this era of new stats where all of a sudden you can bat 240 and that's like acceptable I mm -hmm. guess um you know I guess that's <laughs> okay but what's the word on him in the back because he had a big adjustment to make and everything like that but yeah. what's the feeling around him I guess I think there's a lot of positivity for Saya. I I think last year we got to see early on in the season, what he was capable of. And obviously there's an adjustment period. And don't forget one thing, he dealt with a lot of injuries last year. And I think yeah. that kind of, that really knocked him off course, especially, you know, he, he has the incredible April. He was the National League Rookie of the Month. Goes into May as a little bit of a slump, and then he's hurt in June and, and off and on throughout there. So I think there's there's a lot of optimism for him. I think if you look for the Cubs' future, 
and moves that they made last year to kind of help for now. Uh, you know, Seiya was one of those to have a, a really good place in the outfield, get an outfielder out there. And then Marcus Stroman coming into the rotation, trying to give the Cubs someone who has had success in Major League Baseball, somebody who can be a foundational piece in their rotation in a rotation that really didn't have it. You know, right now you look at Kyle Hendricks, uh, he'll be coming off of, you know, a shoulder ailment that cost him the majority of last year. And when he did pitch last year, you had this incredible up and down. He yeah. had a great opening day, and then he had a really bad game right after that against the Pirates. And it just kept going like that all year long. And really, if you're looking at the Cubs rotation after that, you're looking at you know, you know Justin Steele, Keegan Thompson, some young guys here who – and who had I think some really really great moments. Well, so I think sorry. you know it, 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 great moments. They, they were there and they were they were consistent. So the Cubs are like they're just in this weird place where they they're not rebuilding. They I think showed some fight with a little bit easier schedule last year, and some credit to David Ross for keeping the team engaged after a really terrible first half where they were on track to lose 100 games yeah so there's stuff there it's just this weird mix of players and and i don't know how you see it from your perspective it's so it there's like parts there i've got a big opinion not, on this we we call yeah, it no and go ahead what's you, your what's your so, thought or, it's very or a big much, hope, it's mixed on a lot of opinions. a big hope i should say yeah does does having suzuki enhance our chances to get shohei in oh, free God. agency it's a good question or, or i mean that's going to be I, I I don't think it can hurt, and I think the Cubs may be looking to make that impact in 24 as opposed to doing it for 23. Looking at it right now with, with the free agency, no you, you know, you got Tyone, who's going to be in addition to the again guy. He's shown potential here. He, he's shown yeah. the ability to 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 pitch well. I think Stroman's resume was better probably the previous few years, other than Jameson's. But you, do you see him being a Frontline starter, probably probably not. There's going to be a, a another you know pitcher or two that's going to be there. Yeah, I think it could. It certainly could. So I think maybe 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 Otani's that splash that the Cubs make that really big major move that they make to really signal heading back to that next level. Well, there was a thought Correa might be because it sounds yeah. like there was some engagement last off season with him. It didn't quite happen. I, I think the money number to Correa wasn't shocking. The year number, I think, was. I don't know if you would agree or disagree, but the 13 years. It's absurd. It's quite, yeah. It's, it's, quite a, it's exactly what yeah. he was yeah. hoping to get last offseason. And I think mm -hmm. what happened was they took the, the Giants took the offer that they were prepared to give to Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge makes his decision and they just re reallocated all of that funding to what they considered to be the next best available player on the market, which was Carlos Correa, which is why he doesn't wind up in Chicago. I think we're having a different conversation. Judge signs in San Francisco. I think mm -hmm. you are looking at Correa in, in Chicago um, because they will have spent that. They would have spent that money already. What, yeah. And, oh, go sorry. Ahead. Yeah. What do you know about? So we have an issue here that we, we talked about last week and got very uh, uh, emotional about, which is we have this thing. And I think that the Cubs are sort of um, like uh, part of it, yes. mirroring it. Right. Which is these front offices who are not, you know, feeling like they're trying to win, like, especially the Cubs, even it's like, what are you guys mm -hmm. doing? What the hell is going on? Do you know anything about the economics of the game now where, is there some financial incentive for these teams to just exist within their budget like that and not, you know, no. not win? This is a good question because what do the Cubs have that a lot of other teams don't have? That's not on the field. Second, team, team. In their, second team in their market. Or what? Yeah. 
Yeah. They got Wrigley Field. I think for me is that it's always one of those things yeah. where we'll always attract 25, 30, 35,000, uh, you know, people almost yeah. every time. However, I used to think that, and that was a big thought of when the Tribune Company owned the Cubs and mm -hmm. this idea of selling the beautiful Wrigley Field. I believe in some way that has changed and why I don't think the Cubs can sit here and just accept being bad Yeah, for, for a few reasons. And now, now I always bring that up because Wrigley Field can attract fans even when they're terrible, even yeah. in the 2012s where they, in 13s when they were really deep into the rebuild, you still had fans. But I believe the Cubs fan base over the past 20 years has had a massive transformation in their expectations. This began October 14th of 2003. And the next night in game six and seven with the whole collapse against the Marlins, mm -hmm. you blame it on whoever you want to do it. But the Cubs were on the doorstep of the World Series in their home field and completely blew it. Yes. And I think that that rose expectations of fans to we don't want to be the lovable losers anymore. Right. This wasn't like 84, which happened, you know, there's more ways to see there's more things. So I think that it rose the expectations so much more in 2003. Then you get this rebuilding, this patience that you talk about of the team really going into a dark place for three years to get a lot better. Now the Cubs win. You're now going into a generation of fans who have not seen the Cubs be very bad for yeah. a really extended period of time. Winning is an expectation. The lovable losers, is, this is not... This is not what the Cubs are anymore. They're not lovable losers. This is a franchise that has won a World Series championship. Yeah. This is a franchise that made the postseason, you know, I believe five out of six years. Let me count it out. 15, 16, 17, 18, 20. Five out of the six years. There's expectations for this franchise to win. So going and doing what the Cubs might have done in the 70s, 80s, or 90s is not going to fly with a new generation of fans who are used to seeing this team winning and who expect this team to win that's what, and not yeah. just expect to show up at Wrigley Field. And so while Wrigley Field's here, always yeah. there, I don't think the Cubs can be as complacent. If yeah. you're looking to build your club up, fine. You have to do that. You, you have to do that. Yeah. That doesn't exist anymore because the Cubs can be okay this year. It can't happen next year because they've rebuilt Wrigley Field with a lot of businesses around there that rely on people going to that ballpark in the summer. And there's also the Marquee Sports Network. And if the Cubs are bad, people are not going to watch. Yep. A lot is on the line here, and a lot has changed in the last generation that make this a lot different, whereas maybe, maybe 20 years, 25 years ago, okay, the Cubs can build a little bit and be fine. Not anymore, man. They, like I said, I, I really think they need to take – I think they needed to do it this year. And if they don't do it this year, which, you know, I don't know. I mean, they still could get Swanson or be in or do a major mm -hmm. trade. It's got to be next year because that the, 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 it's a different Cub franchise. And the Cubs had a big reason because they rose the expectations themselves. Yeah. yeah. And so my question to you is, as a sports town uh, in Minnesota that is – uh, I think we were born as the lovable loser. What do what do, what do we as fans need to do to turn the corner that the Cubs turned to get us to win some championships up here? Well, you you you've got you 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 really have a, a fan base that really holds. I I, I guess you it, it's a hard question to ask because I've asked. I, I this is something that came up a lot with the White Sox and how much responsibility do fans bear to a team being bad. I think it's a lot. And me and Gabe have talked about this on yeah. the show. So uh, I don't know how much you know about the Minnesota media market, and this will be a, a cool little topic. A little, 
to get into you with you, but there's a lot of what we feel like apologists here, right? Like there's a lot of what we call pocket protectors for the pole ads in baseball. The Vikings have always been a, Hey, can we just make the playoffs? The wild have always been the young, the young team that gets bounced in the first rounds and the wolves have had zero expectations really since KG left. Right. Um, it, it has just been an uphill battle, but nobody seems from the fan base with and the media standpoint to then hold the owners, the players, you know, the age, all of the business side of the sport, uh, I guess, accountable to we deserve a championship in this city. We actually hear mm-hmm. fans that like, I mean, you will talk to people on the street and we'll go like, man, we should go after, you know, Shohei, for instance, not that yeah, that's but whatever, mm-hmm. but they'll go like, yeah, but you know, our budget's, you know, 108 million, you know, we oh. got to say it's like our owner is a billionaire and I don't want to do this again, but it's like, <laughs> it is yeah, so yeah. stupid that, that we get into these modes with these things, I guess. And are you mm-hmm. feeling that in Chicago too? Because, well, I think, you, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. And, and I guess that's what I was asking about the TV. I don't understand how teams really make money, right? You know, obviously they make a yeah. ton of it. But what, like, I don't know what share the TV revenue is or just because I believe Major League Baseball is like, like they share, right, in that in that mm-hmm. TV deal. And does your market also have problems? Can your uh, market, can the people watch the games there? Because here. Yeah, we can't watch anything. So, so for Cubs fans, the marquee is on like a cable network. So we used to be WGN TV had the free for so many, so many years. And yeah. so that was there. So you have to have the, the cable or you have to subscribe to the subscription service to get it. Uh, the Blackhawks, the White Sox um, and the Bulls are on NBC Sports Chicago, uh, RSN Regional Sports Network. So same thing uh, with cable. Uh, NFL obviously has you know, their deals with, yeah. with the national uh, MLS is going to Apple TV and then they just signed a deal with Fox. So that's, yeah. I, and I know they were, they were actually on our, the fire on our air the last three years. And then the red stars do their paramount and they've tried to do some local stuff as well. It's about, I think about basically the same. Uh, I know like, for instance, I get marquee sports network and that off of my, my the cable subscription I get, but I know some people who, get it through different yeah. services we're like pay-per-view uh, but, yeah we're like pay-per-view i don't know if you're not subscribed yeah, specifically specifically to bally sports north here in mm-hmm. in minnesota you can't watch a game home or away mm-hmm. it doesn't matter and i think they're killing the league like even you know to me the reason i'm a cubs fan is because i lived in northern minnesota wgn mm-hmm. was it, it was one of four channels we could watch right it was the superstation yep. harry carries a homer announcer and i'm going yeah. you know you just are conditioned as a child to go like light like, of yep. course you love them you know and then and then watch bozo but what you know whatever the case it was like it was great and i worry with my kids it's hard to show them games now yeah and i don't mm-hmm. understand what major league baseball is doing and it just confuses the hell out of me. But I'm wondering if other markets are dealing with what we're dealing with. Yeah. And maybe well, well, there's there's a question of where to watch games. I think it's just it's how how are people consuming games? It's a very interesting business discussion that's probably over my head. But from yeah. the simple the simple point of it is though, we're how are viewers going to watch games? Like you know, for instance, I I like MLS soccer. That's something that I I do enjoy to watch. It'll be harder to watch now. I I don't have Apple TV. I'm really curious how this is all going to do it. How are viewing habits change yeah it's kind of fascinating to watch but it is hard you know for people i know who would they have trouble seeing games it's a very it's a very much a now topic that i try to learn more about and that other people try to learn more about mm. what do people view what are viewing topics it's fat it, it's kind of fascinating because right? it's a you know changing of the era that you know i grew up in the 80s and 90s in chicago so 
WGN had the Cubs and, and had the White Sox starting in 1990. Uh, WGN also had uh, Bulls basketball and uh, Channel 32 here. The Fox had Bulls basketball for a little bit. And then the others would go to Sports Channel or Sports Vision, I think it was, for a little while. Or the mm. Fox Sports Nets would go to before the Comcast yeah. Sports Nets and then the, the regional networks from NBC took over. It's a fascinating thing to watch and from an economic standpoint, from a viewership standpoint, you know, where will my young nephew, where will he yeah. watch games coming up? Is he going to watch it on his phone? It's, I am really, it's kind of fascinating to me and kind of a question that you are expressing to me and I kind of expressed to other people as well. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got one last question before we let you run yeah. um, here. Cause I, I, I'm a football is where we live and, and, and breathe and die on this show. Um, I put a lot of, of time into taking a look at the partnerships that happen between head coaches and young quarterbacks. Right. I think the mm-hmm. bears are in a very unique situation. Cause if you look at like Pat Mahomes and Andrew Reed, that's offense on offense, Doug Peterson, Trevor Lawrence, offense on offense. Uh, you look at, you know, KOC, Kirk Cousins, offense on offense, you know, even to an extent for a young head coach and a veteran quarterback, LaFleur and Aaron, you know, Justin Fields has this uh, this opportunity to really develop or, or, and break stigma, by the way, for Ohio State quarterbacks that do not perform well when it comes time to put the big boy pads on and play in the NFL mm-hmm. with Matt Eberflus being so traditionally a, a defensive minded head coach. We in Minnesota experience this when you're trying to run a high powered offense, but this is where your head coach is at. What do you think the ceiling of that partnership really is as we look towards what's going to be, you know, you've got three years left with Justin and I'm sure that's the runway that they're giving Matt Eberflus to get this right. Where do you think that, you know, they specifically as a unit can take the Bears over the next three years. Well, it's a lot of it. And I always think of the partnership as well with Luke Getze. I think you cannot you cannot underestimate how important it is going to be to have Luke Getze yeah. be at the top of his game. I think so far he's passed a major test and being able to use Fields' ability to run in an offense where your offensive line is building, your receivers are you know, average at best. Darnell Mooney, great receiver. <laughs> and I, I'm, not, I'm trying to be, like I said, I'm not trying to be like at, at all. I never try to disrespect anybody, but you had a lot of guys coming into that receiver room who were, who were prove-it guys. You have Byron Pringle, Dante Pettis, yeah. uh, St. Brown. Darnell Mooney was established and now he's hurt. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot of things you had to wait to see, hey, maybe this will develop. So I really think that as much as, I do think about head coach and I do think about Eberflus, but I think of Eberflus more as a CEO yeah. than I think of him being a offensive minded guy or even a defensive minded guy. I, I, he is, he is, a, you know, he is a defensive minded. He'll always be on that side of the ball, but I really point to the fact that how this could work in my opinion Eberflus acts like a CEO, which I think he's done a good job. He has his hits principle thing of saying, you don't know how, you know, acronyms like that are going to work in a professional locker room. It seems like he's done a good job to at least win the favor of them and be in that CEO role. I think the bears have been a lot cleaner at times than they were in the Matt Nagy era where they would have silly penalties or stuff like that. I think the bears are better at that. Are they perfect by no means, but they've been better at that. So I it's, it's hard for me. I always viewed the partnership to be at least in this setup, as offensive coordinator Luke Getze and quarterback Justin Fields. Yeah. And I think that there is a relationship that has to be developed between Eberflus and Fields, which I think they say is pretty good, and it seems like it's been there. And it's part of the most important thing, because what's the most important 
position, not only in football, but all sports, your quarterback. So yeah. there has to be a good bond there. But I'm really focused on the Getsy Fields relationship for me, just because I believe that that is really something the Bears have missed. Let's go back to Jay Cutler. How many offensive coordinators did he have? Right. Well, and that's my the, and that's my concern, yeah, I, right? I worry that with it being something to where it seems like if you have a defensive-minded head coach, once again, we just went through this in Minnesota, mm-hmm, did, to yeah. have had um, – the the volume of offensive coordinators, the ones that didn't work, we got rid of, and the ones that did work because everybody is trying to pair a young quarterback or a successful quarterback with a good offensive mind. That as good as Getzy might be, Getzy might wind up in another you know opportunity because the head coach role is mm-hmm. taken, and naturally you're always going to want to take that step forward, which then leaves Justin mm-hmm. Fields in a really weird spot. That would be my real only concern, but I like the mm-hmm. insight. I do agree that, you know, as yeah. hard as I was on him during the hiring, because I thought it was the wrong way to go post-Naggy, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, it's it's one of those things where it, it, it could work out. I could definitely see yeah. this being one of the rare, rare scenarios to where, you know, maybe they've even come to the the um, um, could come to one of those agreements like they had in New England, where like, hey, you know what? This is, um, this is Eberflus's team. If anything goes wrong, the guy in waiting is Getzy because we're gonna pair him to Justin mm-hmm. Fields, right? So, yeah. And those are thoughts that that you have. And of course, if Getzy's really good, then he's gone. And that's something that you face when when that happens. So there is, and it's not like people are sold on Eberflus. I think there's a lot of questions. Uh, if you go back for football. For years, and I, obviously watching the Bears for years and years, this hire reminded me a lot of Dick Duran. I don't know if you remember Dick Duran, who was hired in I 1999, do, yeah. and you know he was with the Bears. Uh, they had one really great year in 2001. Yep. If you want to talk about absolutely insane years in Chicago sports, nothing will compare to the 2001 Bears. The crazy endings, yeah. the weird yep. plays, nothing will compare to that. Why I mentioned Dick Duran is because Eberflus seems like an intelligent coach. A, a guy who, who understands what he's doing when it comes to the, the technical aspects and getting things done, defensive-minded. But he didn't really know a lot. It was his first year as a coach, first time as a head coach. He didn't know what he'd be able to offer. It kind of reminds me of this. So I like you like what Iberflus has done so far. How are they going to do? Let's just say that that free agency, and now they get pushed all of a sudden next year. What's going to happen? Yeah. So it is many, in many ways, I think you're correct. It is Eberflus having to prove himself because he is a first time head coach. Yeah. He has come in with, you know, obviously he's had interviews before. This is not the first time, but I'm, I'm curious, but I think just for the moment, maybe my opinion's a little bit more in the, in the short sighted yeah. one to two years. I think it's that relationship between offensive coordinator and quarterback. That's really important. And let's not forget the struggle of Matt Nagy, who was coming in a good offensive mind and his inability to bring in 2.0, the the next iteration of his offense. Remember 2018, they did some creative stuff, some wild stuff, you know, behind a elite defense helps them go 12 and four really out of nowhere. All right. 2019. What's next? Nothing. Nothing, There just was nothing. There was was, no progress. It was very very gutted. It felt very Mm -hmm. stagnant. I think, you know, you're Mm -hmm. seeing that this year, um, with a few teams around the NFL that mm-hmm. they've found it a little bit harder to, you know, I guess 
move the offense forward, right? I think that's mm-hmm. why Baker had run his course not only in Cleveland but in Carolina as well. So yeah. great insight, man. We, we, we really appreciate it. Um, oh. You're more than welcome to come on the show anytime and, and chat. I know Minnesota, Chicago, our teams are yeah. butting heads against one another all of the time. <laughs> well, yeah, they got to take uh, all our players. Yeah, I was going to say they players, got nine so. Vikings players, which I understand that's probably coming from Ryan Poles being in the front office, former yeah. Vikings front office member. But uh, more than welcome to come back at any time, brother. Why don't you let the fans know where they can find you uh, either daily or on social media, and then we can get you out of here. Okay, so basically uh, I am at WGNTV.com at WGN News Now. That's the online digital news that we do. Uh, you can find us there, WGNTV.com, right at the top of the page. It'll say uh, WGN News Now. Also on the sports page, we do a lot there. Uh, my Twitter is Holly Sports, H-A-W-L-E-Y Sports. And then on Instagram, lholly 80 So if you like sports, I also like craft beer. So <laughs> I, I do. I enjoy that. So if you like craft beer, is there. But uh, follow along. We, we cover pretty much all the sports. We cover a lot of colleges here too so and uh we you know we do try to do as wide variety of sports as we can so we uh we appreciate the follow or, or the check out absolutely larry we appreciate Thanks, it and ladies and gentlemen he does respond on social media because that's how we got him here on this show no, I... uh thanks for coming buddy uh enjoy the rest no. of your week and hopefully we'll get the chance to talk again soon everybody larry holly uh, i look forward to it man take care Thank you. Cheers. <laughs> I did a cheer. Just thank box you very the much. Exit, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. All right. All right. See well, what did we, what did you, what did we learn, Gabe? We learned uh, it's just as hard to be a Chicago sports fan as it is to be a Minnesota sports fan. Uh, yeah, I was actually dying to know that stuff about Shohei and this. Yeah. Or just to hear how say is like. Uh, whatever how he's perceived but yeah so it's it's awesome so yeah absolutely uh absolutely wise guy a lot of depth in that brain you can tell just by talking to him guy's got a a wealth of knowledge that we will look to lean into um for for our chicago sports i guess outlet moving forward and then gabe i wanted to wrap the show talking a little conor mcgregor is that okay of course all right so see what we got here some shots being tossed uh the way of Mystic Mac, uh, with some of the pictures that he has been posting lately, looking absolutely stacked in the gym. Um, Joe Rogan making comments, dick, um, (laughs) making comments like that guy's piss would melt the USADA testing cup right now. What are your thoughts on a couple of things? First of all, now Conor McGregor has removed himself from the USADA testing pool voluntarily, voluntarily. If he is taking something that he could pop positive for now, but by the time he returns and has to have six months of testing and or two verified and passable tests through the UFC, is this considered cheating if he doesn't, if none of what he is doing now shows up on those tests? So I'm not worried about that because that's what they all do. You know what I mean? Is it though? I think when they're, when they're, when they're injured, yes. But a lot of them don't exit the pool. So, like, Wonder Boy is a great example. Wonder Boy broke his leg, right? Same way that Connor did. Mm-hmm. He stayed in the pool, and he's nowhere near returning. McGregor said that he could fight and would be cleared to fight early spring. Wonder Boy has a different game. Yes. Um, so, I, I, I guess I just feel like even those guys who maybe don't leave the pool. I, I mean, put it this way. I have heard in many, many things of gyms where they say, it's not about your coach. It's which gym has the best doctors. Right. And it, and I feel like there is a game going on that is really intense. Now, that said, I think Conor McGregor is a complete fuckboy and is, is truly, he's trying to milk the last of his 
start. He's, he's coming back done. at one seventy. He, but he's done. He's coming back at one seventy. And I don't. Oh, wow, but, he's going to get blown out. I at don't 170. know. He, the reports are he's walking around at two hundred pounds right now. He is a a case study in mental illness. Like I mean, Stop just to it. watch him. You're not about to lump him in with Antonio Brown. Why? There's I'm not going to no let you difference. do it. There's almost no difference, actually. Connor's not showing it. his dick to people at hotel pools. He might Bruh. drink a little too much whiskey. Bruh. Hold on, what? Because everything I hear is he's picking fight with old men at bars. But I, I'm, I'm just saying, oh, like, okay. he is, no, I know that's old. But hang on. He is so much more obsessed with his, um, with his fame than he is his fighting. I don't know. He is absolutely, that's, it's all he lives for, man. He's still talking then shit. Then why train the way he was, is going to have to train? Because Chael why Sonnen made shortcuts a, with steroids, like very obvious. So Chael Sonnen made a really good point about this. Mm-hmm. He said, there's two things to consider. One of which, anytime you're putting anything in your system that is designed to help with recovery or pump or workout or muscle growth or anything, that is a performance enhancing drug by description Otherwise, you wouldn't be taking it. The, the, the FDA that regulates a lot of this stuff will even say in order for it to be approved by them, they have to prove that it has positive effects on the human body. So exiting the pool and taking what he's taking, I don't necessarily see as a shortcut. What I, I tend to look at it and go, okay, these are the actions you take if you do actually want to get back in the ring, if you want that leg to be as healed as humanly possible. And Joe Rogan did a great interview outside of the comments that he did with the guy from More Plates, More Dates. They kind of run through some of the things that a doctor could be recommending to Connor mm-hmm. to help heal that leg that could also have effects like this, like some because it was a it's a severe bone break like GH1 or different things like that that will have uh, almost like an anabolic style effect, right? So, um, that doesn't show up on a test when once you go back into testing, but you will see without changing your genetic code or some of the baselines that they test you for at USADA, um, still, you know, those things won't change that, but you'll still have some of the positive effects of it. I think Connor found a, a loophole because he wants to return. I, so I would agree. That's why I said right away, I'm not mad at this because I yeah. do see it as just this is a game that they all play to varying degrees. Right. Right. Maybe some guys don't. Maybe some. But many, many, many do. Oh, for sure. You know, and so I'm not mad at that. What it is now, let me ask you this. So I've uh, got a, an extensive history of taking drugs. Do okay? you? Oh, I'm the Michael Jordan of illegal narcotics. I mean, in the past. Right. So. I know you haven't taken steroids before, but I know that you're much more familiar. Well, I don't know. I didn't want to say it, but I know you have been into like supplements and yeah. working out and stuff. My experience with taking drugs, right? And and I think it's actually applicable here is that, and I've heard similar things for steroids mm-hmm. that, yeah, you can build yourself up and fix yourself, get healed, right? Right. But there is a bit of a dump if it's not managed really well to come off of those. Yeah, I, I definitely to cycle down. right? Yeah, like absolutely. It's definitely a process. Right. And I think what makes this so interesting and, you know, Connor, with all the money that he makes, probably has a dietitian, yeah. and a pharmacist and people that are looking. Everybody at his level does. Right. Mm-hmm. LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Messi, uh, all of them. Right. Mm hmm. So I'm, I I have a hard time believing that he is that his process is going to be mismanaged, 
And I have a hard time believing that what they've done up to this point has been mismanaged. Like the guy is obviously even on the supplement. This is the other point that Chael made, even on the supplements that he is taking to see the kind of progress that you're seeing in Connor, the type of work that you have to be, to put in should not be sneezed at. Like he's the, weightlifting. The, he, I'm sure he is, but he's there's also there's also been videos out here of, uh, out there of him doing cardio, him hitting kicking the bag, him hitting mm-hmm. pads, him wrestling, him grappling. Like it's not like he's just slang an iron. He's training for a return. But he I I don't doubt that, right? But what I'm saying is we know what his game was. He was a one he's a knockout artist, counterpuncher. He's brilliant at it. Yeah. Brilliant at it. The second he stepped up a little bit in weight, that was his advantage is that he could be at 135, yeah. he could hit like a truck. We saw him just square up Nate Diaz in that first fight where yeah. he just, I mean, truly flushed him as hard as he can punch a man. Yep. And Nate Diaz, I mean, now we know okay, Nate Diaz Nate has is a huge chin. Different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. But we're seeing that repeated, right? Even, you know, Dustin, all, all that stuff, man. He's not... He's not who he thinks he is at 170. He thinks, so that, to me, I see those muscles. There he is, overcompensating, wants those, his power back kind of thing. If he doesn't, that's not his problem. His problem is... Inactivity. Inactivity, man, and not not evolving his fighting style. Not, yeah. you know, which I know he says he does, but he says a lot of shit, <laughs> you know? So, I'm yeah, done it, with him. I, I can't stand him anymore. It's and interesting. I used to love him. You, you know? know, I think... I don't know. It's 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 to me, I look at this the same way I look at John Jones going to heavyweight. If yeah. it works, if it works. Oh, hey. Then I will eat my words. Well, right? John Jones going to heavyweight to me is boy, that's very interesting because I go, it really is in a way the same thing. Yeah. The only difference John is John Jones is multidimensional. As a it, who's to say that? Okay, so and let's let's take a look at Connor's career, right? Connor's Biggest success in defeat was against Khabib, right? Okay. Took a round off Khabib, got laid on for four rounds, or pretty. I you have know. a hard time giving him that. That's any positive for him. Yeah, I mean, you steal a round from Khabib, you get you get credit. Plain but, and simple. But he want, but he he wanted to win. He wanted to win. I totally that, get that. He took everything from him. Totally get that. Everybody wants to win. Everybody wants to win. And I think yes, he took a round. But no one perceives it as like, oh yeah, as this you know, victory. he kicked his ass for. But a here's round the thing: if if I'm Connor and I'm going, okay, I've got this time. What are some of the things I struggle with? I struggle with strength from the bottom. Okay, mm-hmm. let's put some size on. Or hey, because of the injuries that I've sustained and the way I'm going to have to fight as an older fighter, maybe I'm going to have to be a little bit more wrestle centric, which he was down at 135. With takedowns and stuff, mm-hmm. like he still was, he was good on the His ground. Takedown defeat or defense was always great. Yeah, used to be. Yep, right. So if I'm Connor and I'm going, if that's the type of fighter I'm gonna have to be at 170 because I'm not gonna be able to swing with these guys. Well, let's blow up to 200, and then when I cut and I'm dry at 170, I'm still a, a legitimate 170 pounder, right? So mm-hmm. there's definitely a lot of moving pieces in this. If it works, if he shows up at 170 and they give him Gilbert Burns. Or he steps in there against uh, Colby Covington or whatever and wins, all of this goes away. I mean, all of it goes away. That's true because of his name. His name is so big, right? That it's like, 
But you have to give credit then to the right. way that he handled it and the evolution that he's currently not getting credit for. Well, hold on though. But why would we give him credit right now? I'm not, I'm not. I'm just saying. I think a lot of people have condemned him, but the jury should still absolutely be out on what he's going to look like at 170 as a consistent 170. Okay. Well, and I don't, you know, it's not like I'm in the business here saying like, it's impossible. He, you know, whatever, but, but it is, it's just a matter of like the dude, it's so annoying to hear him still talking shit when he's like, I'm surprised he keeps doing it in a way, but, but that's why I say He's coming back. It's ego. This is an ego play because he's got oh, yeah. nothing after that. Because for him, being rich is not enough. So I mean, they're looking at they're looking at late spring or the early part of the summer to put him back on a card. Um, as of right now, I'd, like I said, I don't I don't see it as cheating. No, I you're don't. playing the game. He's he's trying to get healthy. Yeah, you know. But what I'm interested in is as okay as a guy who has some experience with that is. What does that do to your body? Like, even if you do doctor monitor, do it the right way. I, I would think that it's even messes with your head a little bit that you had a certain amount of strength and now you're kind of back to your regular self. Like, does that affect your, um, your will in some way or yeah, self-belief? Good, good question. Um, you, to talk about that, you'd have to talk about what kind of supplements he'd be taking and do some yeah. research, right? Cause it's so different for everybody. And I do, I encourage everybody go listen to Joe Rogan's podcast, um, with the guy from more plates, more dates. They get really far into what kind of things, um, you know, a doctor might recommend yeah. what the long lasting effects, how it tests out, um, you know, things like that for Connor, they get into take the plate out, leave the plate in, take the screws out, leave the screws in like a lot of different stuff. I encourage y'all to go listen to it. We don't, obviously they did it in three hours. I don't have time in five minutes to, un- to unpack all of it, but it's really intriguing because it made me take uh, note of where Connor's at and go, well, it doesn't seem impossible because he did make mention that there were some supplements that he can take to where, even though when they start to test him, he's going to have to test for six months he'll still have the effects of whatever he was taking come the actual fight. Right. So it's, it's so it's, it's so unknown uh, that I'm very curious. Can you do, can you give me a birthday present? I know it's your birthday. Yeah. But what I'd like to ask for on your birthday is can you throw your guns up right next to Connor now, just to see where we're at. Can you Not even close. Pull that sleeve back a little bit. I think you're right there. no, well, get them oiled a little bit, for God's sake. You didn't bring any baby oil? No, I didn't bring any baby oil All with me. Right. Connor's bigger than me, and we know it. No, I know that, but... Actually, right now, we weigh about the same, I would guess. I'm 195 pounds. I'd guess that's about where Connor's at, but he's also fucking four inches shorter than me. So but his short man syndrome, dude, is like, <laughs> whatever. He's a muscular Napoleon. Yeah, but... All, All right. right, any any other thoughts, Gabe? No, man, happy birthday. I just want to say happy birthday to you. you, and we got some really... Uh, Whatever big things coming yes. uh, for the show Stay that tuned. we're very excited Stay about, and tuned. we won't announce yet, but it's it's awesome. And uh, we're up. To thanks something. to the listeners, and and uh, let's keep it going. Absolutely. Uh, as always, thank y'all for joining us on yet another wonderful episode of Glass Half Sports on December fifteenth, 
the uh, greatest day on the calendar because I was born today, and so is Mike's daughter. Um, so happy birthday to baby Tyler okay. as well. Um, make sure you tune back in next Thursday as we take a look at whether or not the Vikings were able to rebound. Are the Timberwolves still atrocious? Can the Wild keep pace? And whatever the hell might be going on with the Minnesota Twins, we tend not to pay attention to them till the snow falls or the snow thaws. Uh, for lack of a better term, I'm sure we got some boxing stuff that's going to be coming up with Ryan Garcia, Javante Davis as well as more yes, news has come out about that. And as always, we're paying attention to every other facet of sports. So that way you can come here for an hour and a half every Thursday and get caught up on what's going on in the sports world. Uh, until we see you guys again next time, make sure you hit like, share, subscribe. That way you can see when we post new content on Twitter, Spotify, Facebook, YouTube, uh, Twitch, Instagram, pretty much anywhere that you can find a podcast, you can find us. Otherwise, MCN Channel 6, uh, Saturdays after 10 o'clock. Until next week, take care, stay safe, have fun. Perfect. Mike's weak for not showing up. It is so embarrassing for him and his family and his children, unfortunately. It's sad that his daughter has to bear the brunt of that. MBC. No relation to NBC.